Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, my fine friends. Welcome to the third episode of Season 4 of the Tom Petty Project podcast. I am your host, Kevin Brown. This is the podcast that digs into the entire Tom Petty catalogue song by song, album by album, and includes conversations with musicians, fans, and people connected with Tom along the way. Uh, I just wanted to start quickly by saying that my heart goes out to my friends in Texas and the families of the victims of the latest senseless school shooting down there. Um, I won't get into the political issues surrounding gun laws in the US because it seems increasingly likely that it's a, an issue that will just never be solved. Um, I hope that none of you listening were directly impacted by this tragedy and that you're all staying safe out there. Uh, today's episode covers the very highly regarded deep cut, Night Watchman, and I'd like to dedicate this to Mark Rebell, host of Pods Like Us, um, which is a podcast about podcasts and podcasters that I was recently lucky enough to appear on as a guest. Um, I'll put a link to that in the episode notes. Um, Marv is also a huge Tom Petty fan and has been a strong supporter of my show for a long while now. He also happens to be a real-life Night Watchman and listens to a lot of different podcasts while he's making his rounds. So, here's to you, Marv. Stay safe, and I hope you enjoy this one. Okay, enough jibber-jabber from me. Uh, Go listen to the song. I've included a link in the episode notes, or you can listen to it wherever you stream your music. Then come back, and we'll get stuck into one of my top 10 Tom Petty deep cuts. Night Watchman is arguably the first real quote-unquote story song that Tom wrote. You could maybe argue that The Wild One was a story or What Are You Doing In My Life, but this is the first song with a very defined central character, and the character was based on a very real person. After the explosion of Damn the Torpedoes and Tom's newfound fame, it became necessary for him to have security at his home. And in conversations with Tom Petty, Tom tells Paul Zolo that he found this new reality both disgusting and amusing at the same time. He goes on to tell Paul that this guy used to sit outside the door in a little cage and he sat in this cage every night. I think that was the inspiration for the song. That particular guy would show up right around dark and go home at dawn. And I was always up all night, so I would wind up going out there and talking with him a lot. Really, he was the only other person awake in the house, so I think he inspired the song. One of three songs from Hard Promise is co-written with Mike Campbell. Night Watchman starts with that cavernous drum sound and right away we're treated to a little Stan Lynch flourish as he, he hits a great drum roll into the first beat of the second bar. And after two bars of that funky syncopated drum beat, which is also anchored by a four-on-the-floor cowbell, uh, Mike Campbell comes in with that delicious guitar lick. Paul Zolo uses the word spidery when he's, when he's talking about it, and I think that's a great way of describing that, that lick. I wanted to say too at this early point that one thing I love about this track is the tempo. It would have been easy to bump this up by 5 or 10 beats per minute and get it rocking a little more, but having it sit unhurriedly at around 90 BPM, you get a real languid, lazy feel to it that just punches everything up so much. And again, another killer, killer drum part from Stan Lynch on this one, and in concert with Ron Blair's bass part, again, it has a funk to it that you definitely haven't heard on a Heartbreakers recording up to this point, but it still has a rock and roll edge to it. You could most definitely imagine a full horn section R&B arrangement of this one by someone, but Jimmy Iovine does his usual masterful job of keeping things really clean. You know, talking of keeping things clean, through that first verse, Ron Blair is playing pretty much the simplest thing possible, just keeping really straight time on the ones and threes with that single low E note. And because of Stan's double kick, you get a little more of that syncopated feel in the interplay between the bass and the kick drum. 
As we hit the first verse, Stan moves to the ride cymbal, but puts the snare hits mainly back on beat on the twos and fours. I think I can also hear some shakers, or I don't think they're hand claps, but I think they might be shakers being added in there. I do know that Phil Jones plays some percussion on this album, and so I wonder if he provided the cowbell and those extra shakers or that extra percussion in the verse section. During the second verse, Stan cuts loose slightly more, and through both of those verses, Ron is sitting in his higher range and adding in some nice little simple runs. Structurally, I find this a quite an interesting song. Um, you know, it begins with a chorus that sounds more like a verse and builds to a verse which crescendos to sound more like a typical chorus. I think I've talked a little about structure before and you most commonly see songs employing, or rock songs certainly, employing A-B-A-B structure. So verses are referred to as an A section and choruses as a B section. The middle eight or the bridge or, you know, the bit in the middle of a song that usually doesn't sound like either the verse or the chorus is then called the C section. And interestingly, at a loss at what to call the title track from their 11th studio album, Genesis took AB, AC, AB, sort of from an early draft of the structure, and named the song and the album Abacab. Back to Night Watchman, though, it flips that norm on its head, so we end up with B-A-B-A-C-B as a structure. It's not really quite a catchy song title, is it? Um, structurally, the song is also really short narratively. Even though it's got a very distinct character, the lyrics come into the song at 17 seconds and are basically all wrapped up by 141, with the chorus lyrics repeated throughout the outro. Again, this shows that incredible creativity and willingness to take different approaches to suit different songs that Tom always had. Thematically, it makes so much sense for the first words to be I'm the Night Watchman as it frames the whole song, so you sort of have to start with the chorus rather than the verse. Okay, let's get back to that guitar part. Mike's playing that fantastic staccato lick, but you can hear Tom playing that simple, heavily muted chick, chick, reggae-esque groove in behind. And that's all that Tom's doing throughout that chorus, giving the already heavily percussive feel of the song even more of a swing. And in the verses, he opens the strings up and plays an accompanying chord progression as Mike starts to slide all over that riff. I always like it when Mike throws a little country sauce into Heartbreaker's song, and you wouldn't necessarily expect it on a funkier track like this, but it really makes those verses pop, and that gorgeous clean tone is managed beautifully by engineer Shelley Yakus. Listen too to how Stan's fill mirrors the cadence of Mike's slide fill right after Tom sings, I could be just what you need, in that first verse. It's absolutely simpatico, and those little touches are almost always a product of a band knowing the song inside out, being well rehearsed, and listening closely to what each other is playing at any given time. To give the chorus a big atmospheric feel and give the twin guitar lick centre stage, as I already said, Ron's bass is being as unobtrusive as possible. And likewise, Benmont's keyboards are nowhere to be seen until that first verse when they sweep up into that treble range, adding that big push. And then coming back into the chorus, he sits in that same space for four bars and using an old keyboard player's trick of lifting off one finger from the chord at a time. So you go from a full chord of three notes down to two, then to one, and then out for the last four bars of that chorus. The song has so far been in E for the choruses and B and E for the verses. So again, very, very simple, very, very straightforward. But after that second verse, we then get a really uplifting change into a big A major chord for the bridge, or remember, the C section. Through that middle eight, Stan does some great work alternating the kick and the snare leading um, and adding those big crash symbols to the pushes. Da-da, you know, that da-da between the third and fourth beats of alternating bars. Um, after the first eight bars of the bridge proper, it goes into a second section and you can really hear those muted guitar chugs and a nice rock and roll pick slide. Um, at 2.09, you also hear a piano note, big piano note, which almost seems out of place, but it adds sort of a, 
a cool element of surprise almost as if it was, you know, the night watchman's doing his rounds and then something happens and that's the, that's the big piano note. And it's a really deep E2 that was actually played by Alan Bugs Wydell, Tom's driver, tech and all round MVP for his entire career. On the record, Bugs is credited with Wild Dog Piano. And Tom tells Paul Zola that I think Bugs hits that note because no one else could. We were all busy with other things, so we had him hit that note on the piano. He's always been handy. Um, there are also some congas in that last bar of the bridge just to add a little more sort of a sultry nightclub street vibe um, before the song essentially goes back to that initial instrumental intro into the B section. We get Ben Montanning and a little more organ throughout this sort of outro section too. And again, he's alternating between playing a single note or adding in one or two more notes. He's playing chords, he's playing two notes, he's playing one note at various times, which gives that upper register a sort of kind of a swaying feel to it. And at the same time, Ron Blair is really cutting loose uh, as that outro builds. A stand continues to add in plenty of syncopation and really leans into those symbols. The congas, or maybe bongos, I'm pretty sure they're congas, are there again, as is the cowbell, and Mike adds that slide from the verses into the chorus and the outro to wrap everything up in a nice little package. Alrighty, you know what it's time for, don't you? It's time once again for some petty trivia. Uh, last week's trivia question was this, and it was a little bit of a tricky one, I thought, but uh, quite a few of you got this on social media. So, um, The Heartbreakers released 10 songs on original studio album releases with subtitles. So, you know, not deluxe editions or compilations. And by subtitles, I mean something added in brackets after the main title. So I gave you, obviously, the easy one with the episode last week, which was for A Woman in Love, brackets, it's not me. So I then asked you to name the other nine songs. So here we go. They are... From the debut album, uh, Rockin' Around With You and Fooled Again. From Damn the Torpedoes, we have Shadow of a Doubt, brackets, A Complex Kid. From Southern Accents, we get Make It Better, brackets, Forget About Me. From Let Me Up, I've Had Enough, we have the album-closing title track, I've Had Enough, is in brackets. Then from Songs and Music from She's the One, we have four songs. Walls, brackets, Circus. Walls, brackets, number three. And Angel Dream, brackets, number two. And, of course, Angel Dream, brackets, number four. I did catch one person out uh, who quoted Insider, uh, which, you know, in brackets featuring Stevie Nicks. And that's not how the track is listed, though, on the album, but it is on Wikipedia for some reason. And I've gone in and suggested an edit to the page as the pedant in me doesn't like discrepancies between the original published work and how it's presented on Wikipedia. So I submitted that. We'll see if they change it, if they accept the change. Anyway, I digress. Your question for this week is as follows. At which Los Angeles venue was 1985's Pack Up the Plantation primarily recorded? Okay, back to the song. Um, lyrically, this is definitely one of my favourite Heartbreakers tracks from that early period. Though, if I went back through my notes for these first, you know, four seasons, I bet I'd find that I've said that probably quite often. But I think this one stands out because of firstly that inverted structure and that iconic opening line. I'm the night watchman. I make the rounds. It just sort of sets that scene so vividly and so sort of viscerally um, that you're really left in sort of no doubt about what this song's going to be about. Um, the first verse is this guy telling someone that he feels that he could be doing more than this, but it's a bitterness to me that is tempered by the fantastic last line in the second verse, how safe do you want to be? The implication being that this guy is pretty damn good at his job. 
And Tom actually says to Paul Zoll in his book that he was asking the guy, would you get into a firefight with somebody here for what we're paying you? And the guy says back in a low voice, well, you know, it's my job. I take my job seriously. So that leads perfectly into that last verse, which is just so narrative and unambiguous and so beautifully written. I sit around at night and listen to the radio. If I get real bored, I might have a little smoke. Yeah, I got a permit to wear this 38, but listen, my life's worth more than the minimum wage. So again, Tom's taking elements of conversations with an actual security guard and working them into a, you know, a fabulous lyric. He's also doing that thing he does so well of putting in more syllables than the obvious cadence of the song would accommodate usually and just making them work. And again, comes up with another rhyme that shouldn't work on paper until you deliver it the way that Tom does. You know, 38 and wage. They don't really rhyme, so he trails that last syllable of wage off so you don't get that hard G sound. Again, a fantastic vocal performance. It's controlled, it's restrained, and with the energy being pushed at exactly the right times. Okay, folks, that's all for this week. A little bit of Night Watchman trivia for you, though. Um, In cricket, a Night Watchman is a player who comes into the batting order earlier than usual at the end of a day's play. And so if there's bad light or tiredness creeping in, this can save a a higher order batsman from being out cheaply and keep them fresh for the next day. Hence, Night Watchman. Uh, For the third song in a row on this album, I find myself unable to give this one anything less than full marks. Night Watchman has a great premise, a huge hook, a killer guitar lick, a tremendous rhythm section, along with a really economically brilliant lyric. It's also another completely unique sounding song in the Heartbreakers catalogue. And I would say too that it's just also one of my favourite T-Path songs, never mind a favourite deep cut. So I will hold up my hands and admit that this may be one that I'm slightly overrating just because I love it so much. And if someone told me that they rated it an 8 or a 9, I really wouldn't be mad at all. Yeah, all that said, though, another 10 out of 10 on Hard Promises. Let me know if you agree or disagree and why, and we can take this to the social media channels and talk about it there. Uh, Please remember that you can continue to support humanitarian efforts in the Ukraine in many different ways, and I would urge you to do so if you have the means and if you have already done so. Please consider doing that again. Um, As always, I've added a link to the Red Cross donation page in the episode notes, and I'll continue to do so um, until things change in the Ukraine. And again, hopefully that is, again, hopefully that's sooner rather than later. Uh, don't forget to follow me on Facebook and Instagram at the Tom Petty Project and on Twitter at Tom Petty Project. And you can always find me on YouTube. So follow, like, subscribe as applicable. And again, please leave a review or a rating if you haven't already. Um, keep talking to me on social media. If I don't get back to you as quickly on Instagram, um, I apologize for that, but it's the platform that I tend to use least. Um, but Facebook and Twitter, I'm pre- usually pretty good about, uh, about responding. The Tom Petty Project is not affiliated with the Tom Petty Estate in any way. And when you're looking for Tom's music, please visit the official YouTube channel first to try to find what you're looking for or go to the official sort of streaming platforms and then go to TomPetty.com for all official merchandise. Don't forget to check out the Tom Petty Nation and Tom Petty Fans Forever groups on Facebook if you're not already a member um, as they're excellent fan communities and they are well worth your time. Until we meet again next week, keep listening to and sharing Tom's music. Try to be kind. Try to say I love you to someone at least once a day. Stay safe and healthy, and I'll be back with you next week to talk about arguably the greatest song Tom ever wrote that nobody but the fans has ever heard, Something Big. Bye-bye.